Welcome to Fate Favors the Bold, a podcast for visionary witches looking to change their lives through ancient modalities and ancient mythologies. Welcome to the episode today. My name is Angelica Krishi, and I'm so excited you're here. This is incredible. I hope your week has been good. I wasn't here last week because I actually recorded this episode um, when I was on Instagram Live and the audio didn't save and it actually didn't save to my correct microphone. So we had to scrap it, but that's okay because I'm really excited to be talking to you guys right here, right now. This episode is about recollection theory, which is not a myth. Um, It is a Hellenic philosophy um, by Plato. And it's a really fascinating moment in philosophy that whenever I learned it, when I was actually in my undergrad for philosophy, I was really intrigued by it. And it really attached to my soul and to my mind and just became a part of my psyche and became a huge part of the way that I thought about epistemology, um, which is the study of knowledge and the origin of knowledge and the origin of ideas. Um, And it just became the way that I understood how we learn things, how we know things, how we are fated to accomplish certain things and why no matter what, no matter who we are, we can always accomplish things. So I am really excited to present to you what recollection theory is, how Plato and Socrates came about presenting it, and then I'm going to tell you, as always, a little bit about how you can apply this to your life, how you can use this in your life. Philosophy is one of those wonderful modalities that, you know, it's it's funny because when you go to school for philosophy, they always teach you like, you're here to learn all of the different types of um, arguments that are being presented here, but maybe you're not here to make inferences or to make conclusions or to say, I believe in that, or Plato got it right on that. Um, But it's just a natural bias that develops as you read the different philosophies, as you agree personally with certain ones over the others um and recollection theory was one of the most like stunning things that i learned in my philosophy undergrad that i said to myself well i just believe this no it's just it became a belief for me um whereas maybe for some other people in my class they were like yeah that's interesting like a possible you know, idea, possible reason how humans are able to gather information, but it's not the end all be all. Um, But it just really resonated for me. So I just wanted to put that like, I don't know if it's a disclaimer or if it's just kind of something to lead into it by saying philosophy is meant to be learned about and tasted and digested slowly um and so it might not resonate for you in the way that it resonates for me um but i'm gonna be speaking about it today like it is true like you know it is a belief which it is my belief so it definitely is for me um but yeah just take that into consideration with philosophy 
Plato writes about what he sees Socrates doing and saying and conversing with the people of Athens. He looks onto his um, teacher and his mentor, Socrates, and he reflects back in his writing what Socrates did, taught, and said, basically. Um, So all of Plato's ideas and theories are based off of Socrates and what Socrates was doing and and teaching and saying. Um, And this was fairly common in the time of ancient Athenian philosophers basically succeeded each other, um, and that's how they would record the philosophies. The recollection theory starts in the Mino dialogue, where Socrates is chatting with this person named Mino, and Socrates is essentially trying to explain to Mino um, that he knows that the soul has multiple parts, and he knows that there's a part of the soul that is privy to all of the ancient knowledge and all of the celestial information, and that all of that information is within us, um, but we just need to do certain things to extract it out of us or to see it mirrored in front of us. And this is essentially the theory of recollection. Um, This theory is also bolstered by another one of Plato's and Socrates' theories called the theory of the forms. And the forms are this idea that everything and archetype and idea has an ideal version of it that that thing is based off of. So let me give you an example. The one that's often used in philosophy classes, which I really love, it's kind of funny, is a chair. So, you know, when I say chair, you know what a chair is, you can picture it in your head, you or, you know, you might think of a specific chair that you have, right? You might think of like, oh yeah, the chair I have in my living room or like the chair I'm sitting in right now. Um, but then somewhere out there in the universe was the ideal chair. Maybe it was the first chair. Maybe it was the the chair that all chairs are based off of. <laughs> you know, there's this idea that chairs are something that humans understand to be a truth and out there somewhere there was like the first chair right and we can we can get into a debate as well on like okay is it like the chicken before the egg kind of thing like did the form of the chair exist before the chair did the chair create the form you know what's going on there um and i won't get into like which one it is or which one i think it is um that's kind of up to your own critical thinking um but it's really interesting to think of this theory of the forms so for example beauty um and a lot of other kind of virtues in the hellenic era um were seen as forms and a lot of the times the gods would exemplify those forms so like aphrodite um would be a great example of like an exemplification of the form of beauty she's kind of like the the living breathing walking form of beauty and that's why in the mythologies you know there's all these competitions between mortals and the gods especially on things that 
um, evoke the forms, right? You know, like Helen being the most beautiful mortal woman and Aphrodite sort of taking um, a liking to her because she knew that she either needed to support Helen and, you know, be her patroness or the opposite. (laughs) Um, This is, we see this in the story of Ariadne and um, Athena, where Ariadne is like, you know what, I'm the best weaver there is and I'm an incredible um, weaver, like like a loom worker, essentially. <clears throat> and Athena was like, I am like the form of, of weaving, though. Like, I am the best that there is. I am the universal um, exemplification of what a good weaver looks like, right? Um, and then they had that contest <laughs> as to who was the better weaver, who could access the form of a tapestry or the form of um, even like the archetype of somebody who is a creative and, and the best artist or the best weaver. Those are all like forms, right? And that's what that contest was trying to trying to evoke, right? <laughs> so it's really interesting when thinking about that. So essentially that we, we have the forms, right? Form of mathematics, there's an ideal uh, somewhere maybe <laughs> there's an ideal car or an ideal witch or whatever it is right and it's not to it's not to like make anybody feel like they they can't access that form um, or that the form is like the form is in, um, not inclusive it's not really about that as much as it is like the form of beauty is just this reverberating resonance of beauty through the universe you know it's sort of like even Aphrodite you know she exemplifies the form but she's just sort of grasping as well onto this universal force that is beauty that's more what what they mean right especially by those by those more obscure abstract ideological forms um and so you can you can access the form of beauty, right? In this in this idea, everybody can, and some people, and maybe you know, um, glamour witches or people that are into love magic and that sort of thing, or Venusian magic in general, um, are looking to access that form when they do those rituals. So that's an example. Um, so there's the forms, and then let's go a little bit backwards into recollection theory again. So. With recollection theory, the idea is that there's a part of your soul that has access to the forms and also has access to, you know, all the other information um, that is to be known, right? (laughs) That is true and that is, you know, of the divine and that vibrates with like a divine consciousness. So all of the things that we are learning on earth, especially disciplines like philosophy and math and science and spirituality and really even all like the things that are um that we see like in the in the 12 signs of the zodiac and the 12 houses you know all the things that we see and are exemplified in the kabbalah you know all those systems and the tarot like all those things are things that we can access through recollection theory through the forms so on and so on right (laughs) it's very fascinating so in the Mino dialogue, Socrates tries to prove the fact that, yeah, we do have access to 
like an unlimited source of information and of knowledge and he uses the example of finding a young boy who he could teach um, geometry to like in the moment like during the dialogue during the conversation and so (coughs) he pulls aside this boy who's never done math before Um, I think in the backstory of this like this is like not you know Socrates and and the person who he's talking to is are, are obviously very well educated right but I think the idea was that this boy was not very well educated or wasn't like classically educated or had never learned math before and so Socrates through a specific method called the Socratic method of asking the boy questions and kind of, you know, not teaching geometry, but just using leading questions, using the art of asking questions, the art of the Socratic method to convey enough about geometry that the boy could kind of fill in the gaps, right? That's kind of what Socrates was doing. And his whole idea is that if you're if you're done this, if you're essentially coached, it's not really even taught. It's like if you're coached by somebody um, that, you know, knows that you have the critical reasoning skills and this access to this part of your soul that has infinite information. Um, if you're coached by somebody that understands that and that recognizes that and that believes that you can access that that hidden information, then that's really all you need to go into that realm and to pull things out of it. Um, he sees this as sort of an external mirroring effect where Socrates is essentially holding a mirror to the boy and saying like, you know, I am, am going to use questions and teach you but the information eventually is is coming from you like the answers to my questions are coming from you so the information is coming from your mind right so it's sort of like this external internal um dance it's very interesting (coughs) very interesting coaching technique um and so he does this (laughs) He, you know, and, and you can read the dialogue and read sort of what he says. It's very interesting that that particular part of the dialogue when he's actually like doing the coaching. Um, but he coaches the boy and the boy's like, oh, yeah, like I can do this. Like, this is pretty easy. Like, I, I sort of understand what's <clears throat> what's being asked of me here. I sort of understand how to do this. So he does. Very interesting. And then Socrates is like, see, look, like he had the knowledge, right? He he already knew how to do geometry because it's like, you know, there's a form of like the Pythagorean theorem or like there's like the golden ratio, you know, all these um, sacred ever present um, mathematical like systems that the boy had access to. And, and so he did. Um, and then there is another dialogue um, called the dialogue Phaedo. And Phaedo is like another person. Most of them are named after people <laughs> that he's talking to. Um, and Phaedo, the dialogue is a very interesting one. It's where Socrates is being um, executed um, because he was sort of seen as like a enemy of the state and people were trying to get rid of him. And he was sort of seen as... Um, a menace <laughs> to society and a danger to society. He was also being accused of worshiping false gods and not worshiping the city gods, which is sort of just an excuse because 
even though Plato and Socrates and Aristotle had like slightly different ideas about religion than the mainstream at the time, they really weren't like they were basically being accused of being atheists or worshiping gods that were not in the pantheon. And that was not true. Right. It's like they weren't they weren't going to that. They weren't going to that level. Um, They still had a belief in the gods and even in Socrates's Phaedo which is when he's talking about the afterlife and he's talking about what happens after you die and the soul he literally brings up the Greek underworld he talks about Hades he talks about um you know the parts of Tartaros and and all those realms (laughs) and so it's it is funny to me as a reader to even just be like yeah obviously his worldview was very very shaped by the religious um, ideas at the time so it's kind of interesting that that's partially what he's being accused of, but really they just needed to stick an accusa- accusation on him so that they could get rid of him, right? That was sort of the whole reason behind it all. Um, they just didn't like him because he was very wise, <laughs> right? He was smart and he knew too many things. Um, so they had to they had to get rid of him. Um, and so he's awaiting execution. He's He was poisoned um, by hemlock, and he was awaiting this, basically the administration of this poison. And <clears throat> he was talking to some of his students who came and visited him, and they were just all talking about the soul. And this is where he brings up recollection theory again and says, you know, I, as your teacher, am really, really, or as your coach in a way, um, I'm really here to help you access knowledge, but really it's within you, you know, and you can use an external source to extract it. That's how he best, that's how he best, um, you know, recommends essentially like that you find a coach or um, some sort of a philosophical uh, dialogue with somebody that can help you extract that information out um but you know there's also this capacity to go inwards and and do it yourself really intentionally as well um but yeah so that's where he talks about the soul again and um recollection theory in a more like a slightly more in-depth way um and so i love (laughs) this idea in philosophy this um type of discipline is called epistemology or the origin of ideas and the whole idea is like where did knowledge come from how did mortals get knowledge and this is plato and socrates's version of how humans got knowledge it's always been within them and when they're not embodied when you know we are disembodied intelligences disembodied energies um there's a part of our soul that stays intact and keeps getting reincarnated basically and keeps getting placed into new embodiments and when we're not embodied when our soul is just like a whatever happens you know uh just a raw like ball of of matter we're exposed to the truths of the universe. Maybe this happens in the underworld. Maybe this happens elsewhere. Maybe this happens in um, in whatever setting you're imagining for the afterlife, right? But <clears throat> we're exposed to the truths of the universe. And then when we become embodied again, that there's a veil that kind of goes up or there's a wall that goes up there. And we sort of have to intentionally, through intentional internal probing and prodding or 
a teacher or a coach that is kind of gentle enough and magical enough to (laughs) extract it from us like Socrates was was talking about um and I really believe you know because I do really believe and ascribe to the Greek afterlife and the whole idea of going into the underworld and being distributed to a place in the underworld to reside when you're not embodied and um, to drink from the water of the river Lethe before you become reincarnated again, which helps you forget um, your time in the underworld and helps you forget your past lives. Um, And so since I really really believe that, you know, my whole take on this is, okay, well, this happens in the underworld and then you drink from the river, like I said, and you forget everything because the water of the river Lethe makes people forget. Um, Sometimes if they don't drink enough or again, if they're very spiritual on earth and they they have modalities to remember these things, um, then that the effects of that river can lessen. And we can start to really remember our, our experiences on um, in the underworld and in other planes and in other lives, which is really interesting. Um, this also reminds me of an idea that my ceremonial magic teacher was talking to me about the other day. And he was explaining, um, like he's a Kabbalistic ceremonial magician, right? And so he was explaining to me the different places in the Kabbalah. Um, and we were talking specifically about the Ruach um, and then Nefesh. Um, Ruach is, you know, reason um, and it's sort of like our ego and our rational mind and the Nefesh is the shadow or the id or like the like animal part of us, um, the part of us that, yeah, is, is driven by um, lower vibrational things and sex and food and instincts you know what i mean um and then there's the nishama which is this eternal part of the soul um and the nishama you know really reminds me of what plato and socrates are saying is the eternal ephemeral soul that always lives and that knows all the truths of the universe um and he was my ceremonial magic teacher was telling me that the way to I suppose like enlightenment or the way to the neshama the way to this part of the soul that contains all the information that you need to know about anything really (laughs) that is within you um the way to this part of you is through a marriage between the ruach the ego and the nefesh the shadow and only when you integrate the two only when you you know, do your mindset work are really knowledgeable about what you're thinking at what times and changing your mindset and changing your your ego around and changing um, the stream of thought and the stream of thoughts that you have um, once you've done that. And then also once you've made a discipline of doing shadow work and thinking about your shadow and, you know, showing and and showering light upon the shadow to understand it and to um to unveil it only when those two things are done right there's ego and mindset work so that you can learn to believe different things so that you can learn to consciously edit your belief system um and then shadow work 
once both of those two things are done um, and kind of married in a daily practice or a spiritual practice or something that you've just practiced over and over again that it becomes a part of your life once the two of those things are married the marriage between the ruach and the nefesh um, or the ego and the shadow then you get that direct line to the neshama so i thought that was really interesting because it is so true like if you're going to um even externally honestly but you know if you're going to attempt to internally go to this part of your soul and try to access this information and extract it out i would really recommend like even without thinking about this whole idea like i would recommend doing the shadow work i would recommend doing mindset work journaling being really diligent about um, writing down your thoughts really diligent about channeling and attempting to get into states of channeling as well as diligent about reading books and reading things you're interested in and engaging with information so that it can trigger this response of that part of your soul um, that's what I would recommend and externally as well you know it's really helpful to have like a coach that can help you with mindset stuff and shadow work and um, all the things that help you get to that place with that knowledge, right? <laughs> help you get to the nefesh or the highest um, level of the soul or your highest self, whatever you think, whatever you see it as, right? Um, yeah, it's it's such an interesting idea, and like there's so many there's so many ways to talk about recollection theory. Um, there's so many things you can do with it. There's so many ways you can access it. A way that I like to think about starting to utilize the idea of recollection theory in your life is realizing that some things that you know and want to do, um, like maybe some things that you're really good at, that you're just like, okay, I from a very small age knew and had a talent for writing, let's say. I was very interested in writing. I read a lot. I just sort of picked up on literary devices and ways of writing and lyrical um, lyrical patterns. And I was really able to, to write. And, and this is actually true, like for me, you know, like I'm using this as an example, but this is definitely something that I've always felt like I had a sort of a natural disposition for. Um, the idea of, or how we would, would explain this in recollection theory is this is probably something that you've done maybe in a recent past life or something that <clears throat> your soul in particular, because um, I hesitate to say that like every soul has the same exact knowledge, you know, like obviously that almost sounds like, and I won't get into the singularity, but it almost sounds like this idea of like the singularity where like all the information is downloaded to our brains and then we all basically become like the same consciousness. That's not really what I think um, they were meaning by recollection theory. I think that every single soul has specific things that they're good at, specific things that they know and that they've done over and over in lifetimes. And then there's things that they really had to learn when they were exposed to the truths of the universe. Um, and so I still feel like each soul is good at certain things and has a natural disposition for certain things, but really everything can be accessed if need be. So the things that you're really good at naturally 
Um, maybe those are things that you've had past life experience with or your soul is just really adept at doing. Maybe you didn't necessarily have past life experience as a writer in particular, but maybe you were always a journaler in your past lives or maybe you were a philosopher or maybe you were a queen who was very highly educated and, um, you know, always wrote and, and wrote down her own ideas in her journal or something like that um or you were a teacher maybe (laughs) um or you were you know around poets um or loved poetry or loved reading poetry right and all of these different lifetimes have woven into this natural disposition for um writing poetry or for writing like in a lyrical way um that's just seemingly natural to you right that you didn't really have to (coughs) spend too much time learning or practicing um and so it is empowering to know that our fate and what we've done in the past and what our soul is really good at um does point us on the right path a lot of the time does point us on the path of fate and the path of what we're um what we're fated to do on this earth i really do feel like it would be cruel (laughs) and it is cruel if you know the gods gave you a fate that wasn't at all anything you were good at or could learn how to do or knew how to do it just doesn't make sense right um i think the gods work with our souls work with the freedom and individuality and uniqueness of each of our souls and they can see that and they can look at that and the fates know that and hades knows that And when we're embodied again and when we're given, you know, our fate and our birth chart and our like map of what we're going to do in this lifetime, um, that is sort of like a copy of our soul, right? Um, Or at least a part of our soul that we really want to develop in this life. Um, So that's part of where you can go with recollection theory. But there's another part of it where of course we can access things that we don't know, right? I mean, that's the beauty of recollection theory is that we can recall, we remember, we, the idea even of like recollection is that we can remember. Learning is just remembering things that we've done in the past. Some things we can remember really easily. Like, oh yeah, it just slipped off my tongue. Like, you know, it's on the tip of my tongue (laughs) rather. And then some things, you know, maybe take us a while because um, they're they're a little bit buried in there or we haven't thought about it in a while or we haven't thought about it in a couple lifetimes or whatever it was. Um, <clears throat> and so we still have access to it though, right? We still, we still can find that out. So I really believe that another part of your fate, um, usually part of your fate will be information that comes easy to you, right? <laughs> and then I think, not for everybody, but I think another part of your fate is engaging with that part of your soul and trying to get to that part of your soul that can give you this new information that you can use and using that information to propel your fate forward. So for example, um, I wasn't born a very good astrologer. Um, I feel like I've always had a talent for writing, right? I've always been really interested in writing. Um, But something that I really had to recall as I was growing up and as I was learning about astrology and reading books is 
yeah, like that form of astrology, the art of, of reading the stars and reading charts and reading these patterns in the sky and, you know, in charts and transits and all those, all those lovely things. Um, it came naturally to me once I, once I, once it clicked, like once all the information started to make sense to me and started to settle in. And then I was really able to like use recollection theory where I was really able to like read a book and memorize the information very quickly. Um, And I would read like a short article about something or I would, I would hear like a conversation that someone was having about the North node and it would just be like copied into my brain or this is what I really think was happening. My soul was recognizing this information as something I'd learned in the past and was able to bring it to the surface so that it became, um, um, it became, what's the word? Like a memory. It became something that I knew, like it became a something that I, yeah, a piece of intelligence that I, that I knew and that I could, uh, commit to memory. I think that's what I was trying to say. Um, so once I got past like the sun signs, the moon signs, the rising signs, the house structure, like all that kind of stuff, everything just started clicking into place. And I was able to take one class on, you know, the North node, for example, or hear one astrologer friend talk about, um, you know, like time Lords or or whatever it was. And I was able to just automatically know it and ascribe it to memory and have it down or like the the dignities or like the planetary joys like all those things I was really able to like go like oh yeah okay cool I know that now or oh yeah I remember that yeah that like that like strikes a bell that like or that that strikes a bell oh my gosh I'm using all these like not terms terms today (laughs) that rings a bell and I was able to commit it to memory um and so I think that's another really empowering part of this theory is that sometimes, and like, and I, like, I see this in my readings that I do, my earthwork readings, um, which is like my sort of fate con- consultation that I do. Um, I see a lot in those readings, like people that have these talents that I can see in their chart and I can feel it and I know that they have these talents um, but they haven't accessed that part of their soul yet and they they don't know that they have these talents and they I say to them like oh my god you're like amazing at finance and they're like yeah I mean like I took a couple classes in college and like it kind of clicked back then but like I haven't learned about it recently and then I tell them like well finance is part of your life's purpose and they're like shocked they're like what are you talking about like you know, like I'm like a, you know, I'm like a hairdresser or whatever. And I'm like, no, like, but finance is going to be a big part of your life's purpose. Like you just got to like lean into that side of you that, that already knows that that's something that you can access really easily. And so this is a wonderful part of recollection theory because it's, it's able to empower us that even though we might not know consciously everything that we need to know about a certain topic or a certain discipline that we're really interested in or that is part of our legacy, we're able to, with the right training, with the right coaching, with the right reading materials, with the right um, friends and teachers and all that kind of stuff, we're able to learn it extremely quickly and step into that part of our purpose extremely quickly. Um, And 
it's not something that you should feel bad about. It's not something that you should have shame about. It's not something that people should um, should shame you about either. It's It shouldn't be a point of contention. It should be, oh, of course, like now that I know, for example, now that I know astrology is a huge part of my life's purpose and a huge thing that I'm meant to be doing. Or um, for me, like I, I would say maybe like life coaching, like, you know, I or self-mastery. Like, I mean, I've always been really interested in that kind of thing, right? And like always read those books and, you know, was thinking about my productivity and was thinking about that kind of thing. And I've always been sort of very naturally driven and motivated. I'm a Capricorn, so (laughs) it just kind of was in me. But I knew that I wanted to like involve more coaching and more self-mastery in my work. And even though I didn't know like all of the terms for everything and all of the authors and I hadn't read all the books and and all that kind of stuff um, on like specific techniques and things like that. I knew that that's something that I could jump into really quickly and that I could learn so much about because it was already something I have a natural talent at. It's already something that I do for myself. It's already something that I feel like my soul knows how to do. I just have to get myself into those situations to access it. Um, and I was able to really learn and grasp that modality really quickly and add it to, to what I'm doing and add it to, you know, my services and add it to part of, um, like add it to the enrichment of my services and my, and for my clients basically. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it was something at first that I had shame about. Like I was like, there are people that have studied this for years and years and years. How dare you? just like fucking start, you know, coaching people and start hopping into that and start, you know, reading books and applying the things you've learned. Um, Like you can't do that. You need to know more. You need to like go to school for this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I was just like, no, like recollection theory says that I know how to do this instinctually and I'm going to do everything I can to you know, get that knowledge out of me because I really want to know about this. I'm, I really care about this and I really feel like it's part of my purpose. Um, so you might be thinking, <laughs> Angelica, isn't this kind of anti-intellectual? <laughs> and my response to that is no. Um, I am not saying that you never have to read a book ever again. You never have to go to a class ever again. And you can just like put your headphones in and tune into, you know, like I'm imagining you like shifting like the radio thing to get the perfect pitch to get to your soul and to hear the the lecture that's going on in there. Um, that's no, that's not really happening. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you, if you read a book or if you go to a class or if you have a coach and you're really able to learn from them extremely quickly, or you read a book and you just sort of like, I don't need to go over the information again. I don't need to take like, you know, I feel like I already took notes, even though I didn't. Um, If you just are able to learn things really quickly and are able to access information really quickly, this recollection theory is to give you the permission to step into it in in a way that other people might like shame you for, right? Like, I feel like I'm rambling, but um, what I'm trying to say here is like recollection theory gives you the permission to stop thinking of yourself as an imposter, to stop thinking of yourself as 
you know, someone that's a beginner and just to go into a discipline, you know, and you love and you remember and you're like, fuck, like I've always done this or this is something that's so natural to me. It lets you dive into that and say, yeah, I am not an imposter. This is what I'm meant to be doing. This is part of my fate. So it's not anti-intellectual, um, and I don't want people to take it. I mean, again, it's not my <laughs> philosophy, and it's like an ancient idea, um, and it's something that's always been in, in the collective unconscious. So um, it's not even like I'm presenting this new radical information that I'm worried people are going to misuse. <laughs> no, not about that at all. It's just like I don't want people to take away from this or I don't want you to take away from this like you never have to like you never have to study something for a while or be committed to learning about something or to be disciplined into learning about something um that's not what I'm saying but I'm also not saying that things have to be really long and drawn out things need to be really hard to learn new information um and that you know, there's a certain amount of time that you, that has to pass before you can call yourself an authority. There's a certain amount of hours you have to study something to feel like you're good at it. Um, I'm also saying that that's not true. Neither of those things are true. Um, there's a level of learning and education and discipline and understanding that you need in order to extract this information out of your soul. But once you've done it, don't feel bad. Don't feel like you need to wait three years before you can start your astrology business or you can, you know, start your, like I'll use a, another example, like before you start your, um, like your baking <laughs> company or before you um, like change your major to a new discipline that you just heard about that you're like in love with. Um, you don't have to whip yourself and you don't have to be in pain and you don't have to shame yourself for being good at something and you don't have to tell yourself that you're wrong or you're bad for being naturally good at something or to be able to gain information quickly on topics that you're very passionate about that's a that's a huge thing that i see it's a huge thing i see especially for my clients that are so like they know that they have a huge life purpose, they're so like wrapped up in shame. And I completely understand why, right? They're they're wrapped up in the societal shame that what they're doing is wrong or they learn something too quickly or they're too interested in something, but they're still not an authority on it or they're still an imposter. That there's this ideal witch or this ideal baker or this ideal and in a way like we're talking about forms which is why i'm bringing this up like they can never access what an astrologer is or what a historian is or what a writer is um and they have to just skirt around that their whole life and and say like that's not who i am like i am separate from that and i don't feel like i am that and what recollection theory and, and the forms give you is instead of saying, I am not the form, so I am an imposter, you can look at the form and you can tap into the form and you can tune into the form and you can say, and you can wear the form and you can say, because of this form, because I have access to the ideal writer, because I have access to the ideal of an astrologer because I have access to the the ideal of a baker 
I can become one and I am one in this moment, right? It's kind of like when performers and singers, like they're on stage and they're all, you know, like every performer, like I can think of is like, they're on stage, they're singing, they're performing, they're, they're doing the formula. They're doing the dance of the onstage performer. There's, there's bound to be a performer up there that, thinks of themselves as an imposter that's like okay well I am singing and dancing and I'm wearing this flashy outfit and I'm doing all the things that a performer does but I still don't feel like a performer because I'm not like (laughs) I'll use like Beyonce I'm not Beyonce right so I don't feel like and, and she's the in a way like I'll just use her as an example she's like the form of like the pop onstage singer you know powerful pop onstage singer and so that's like saying if you're you know there's only one Beyonce right there's only one person that is Beyonce so every other performer every other singer every other um, onstage pop performer isn't a performer because she's not Beyonce or because they're not Beyonce that's kind of like what what you're saying to yourself or what people are saying to you when you're like oh you just learned um, you know, po- like you just started writing poetry last year. You're not a poet. Like I've been writing poetry for seven years and like, I don't feel like a poet. So you're not a poet. None of us are poets. You know, the only person who's, who is a poet or who accessed poetry in a way that ought to be accessed is Shakespeare or is, <laughs> maybe that's not a good, maybe he's not a good, a good example, but like Robert Frost or Jack Kerouac or, um, you know, and sexton or something like that right that's like saying that's like saying that like if you're not jack kerouac you can't write poetry and this is what we're we get into when we are in imposter syndrome feelings is we truly believe that we truly believe that yeah i am not jack kerouac that means i'm not a poet and it's like you are accessing the same thing that jack kerouac accessed when you write poetry and that's what makes you a poet and same with the the onstage performer analogy beyonce is accessing the same spirit that you're able to access if you go up on stage and you perform even if there's nobody in the audience right (laughs) it's the same thing it's the same thing it's the same form and so let this you know dissolve away your imposter syndrome let this impact you and sink in and i hope that it was i was succinct enough in explaining this to you um that you're able to have it sink in have it you know recollect (laughs) right um and you're able to use this to battle against the evil spirit that is imposter syndrome within all of us right (laughs) it's such a problem i hate imposter syndrome um i am anti-imposter syndrome (laughs) here on this podcast um perfect so i really hope you enjoyed today's episode um if you did please take a screenshot and share it to your instagram story or your facebook or wherever or send it to your sister or your friend (laughs) and tell them about this show tell them to come and give me a follow tell them to listen to this show and i would love to have you tag me as well on instagram at angelica s crazy all of my um handles and places you can find me are going to be in the show notes 
And this is how you can work with me right now. If you're like, Angelica, I just love everything you're talking about. I All of it resonates. I'm really interested in what <clears throat> you do professionally apart from you know, things like creating content and that sort of thing. And yeah, I am the legacy witch. I am the high priestess of Hades. I work with fate. I work with um, Hades in the Greek Greek underworld. And then I also use, you know, coaching techniques and self-mastery techniques and mindset techniques to create um, huge physical and mental change for you on this this earth, (laughs) in this life. Um, And then, you know, I'm also in the tarot i'm in the astrology i'm in the spiritual realms doing work for you as well on this so when you work with me i transform you from where you are right now into somebody who knows what their legacy is knows what their fate is and is taking those steps and those actionable things to to get to that place right um right now i am doing a one-to-one three-month coaching container called manifest your legacy and this is for the visionaries who kind of already have an idea of what they're doing of what their legacy looks like maybe you've already had a reading with me maybe you just sort of have access to that to that information you're like yeah no i feel like i know what i'm doing i know what projects i'm creating and you just want to set that in motion you just want to start writing that book you just want to start creating that podcast you just want to start getting your information out there Um, you want to start writing that email list or that newsletter um, that shares your knowledge with the world you want to get you know um, (laughs) you want to get into grad school so you can continue your path you want to um, start a new community event you want to do anything that leads into what you know is your legacy and you want to get that into motion this program is perfect for you um i have writers i have speakers i have a um choreographer actually in in this program i have someone who's creating like community space um i have so many incredible clients that are visionaries that are using this container to put into motion what they really want to create into the world. Um, so no matter what it is, I can assist you in this and I can help you get this moving. So we're going to use astrology. We're going to use tarot. We're going to use spell work. We're going to use coaching methods. <laughs> we're going to use mindset methods. We're going to actively battle against imposter syndrome. Um, we're going to use journaling <laughs> a lot. If you like journaling, this is absolutely for you. Um, and yeah, and we're going to use all those types of modalities to really get clear about what you're trying to bring into the world, um, and setting it into motion and setting goals and actually achieving them. One of my clients, um, mentioned that this program has been really impactful for her with accountability because she, you know, knows that she's able to do these projects by herself, right? Like she's able to set this email newsletter into motion just as she is right now but she really likes working with me because she can use me as an accountability person use me as someone that could help her set more aligned goals that she'll actually be able to manifest and somebody that's always there for her to cheer her on and tell her she's killing it (laughs) which I do um and just keep her accountable on her goals right 
So if you're like, this sounds fun, this sounds exciting, I want to be supported in my projects, I want to be supported in manifesting my legacy, this is the perfect container for you. And it's a three-month program with six sessions and daily unlimited Voxer talk and text support. So you can text me, you can talk to me, you can tell me what's going on, we can set some goals, we can work through some mindset stuff in the moment. That's what we're doing inside of this container, and that's how to work with me right now. My books for single sessions and earthwork readings are closed until further notice. I might open them back up in February for like a very limited run, <laughs> and they're probably going to sell out like immediately because uh, I have some people on my wait list for it. But this is the best way to work with me right now. And if you're just interested, if you're just like in on it, if you're just like, this sounds incredible, this is exactly the program for you. This is, you know, you're the person that I created this for. So all the links to the details of this program, um, as well as links to book a discovery call. If you want to talk one-on-one -on -one with me about if this is a good fit for you and what we could do and maybe the goals we can start setting. If you want to, you know, get into all of that, that's all going to be in the show notes. You can also find information about this on my Instagram at angelicaskrashi and my website riverstickswitch.com and it's riverstick as in the river in the underworld so r i v e r s t y x w i t h no t c h .com riverstickswitch.com. Um awesome. I can't wait to speak to all of you guys later. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night whenever you're listening to this. And remember, fate favors the bold. Goodbye. <laughs>